Let's turn again to Genesis chapter 26, Insights on Isaac, part 2. Genesis chapter 26. So much in this chapter that I want to speak on. I may do a third morning. We'll see how we get on. This time, let your eye just run down, please. We'll lift two verses, but keep the chapter open for we will be referring to it. Genesis 26, verses 12 and 13. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great. Notice that the blessing of the Lord not only made him great, but very great. We're told that Isaac sowed in that land. It's the land of Gerar. Remember last week, Isaac had his first famine of his own, a famine all of his own. And then the Lord sends him out. Isaac's heading towards Egypt. And the Lord says, Isaac, don't go to Egypt. Sojourn in this land and I'll be with you and I will bless you. And Isaac has a decision to make. Do I sojourn in this land to be blessed by the Lord or do I go to the other land of Egypt? And we find that Isaac makes the right decision. He decides to be obedient to the call of God. It's easy to look at Isaac and say, well, I'd do that if the Lord appeared unto me. Yet in this new covenant age, in this new covenant era, something we find is that many Christians say, well, if I knew God's will, God's will is that you simply work his work as he leads you. Sometimes we think God's will has to be bright shining lights and flashing stars and big booming voices. But really, God says you're here where you are, now work. Simple. And like the glory cloud in the wilderness with the tabernacle, when the glory cloud lifted and moved, Israel moved with it. And you'll find that where the anointed ministry will be, there people will gather onto it. Where your uh, call of God is, is where God is blessing and anointing you. You just need to be obedient. But Lord, I, I'm here and I don't know why. I'm in this position and I don't know why. And sometimes, let's all be honest, we just get fed up. It's been so long and the grass seems greener on the other side. And so then we think, well, maybe we've done this for so long and maybe it's easier if I did that. I used to think that when I pastored in Dublin that it was easier in other churches. Some places it may have been. But people are people. The work is the work. The devil's the devil, and it's still the same. We thought it when we were in Romania. Well, it would be easier. Yeah, the, the attacks are different. Things are harder in different ways. But what you find is, no matter where you are, the Lord says, here's where I have you. Now, he says, sojourn here. He doesn't ask you to try and figure it all out. He didn't say to Isaac, I want you to know my complete and total plan. 
He says, I want you to stay where I've placed you. I want you to sojourn here and I'll be with you and bless you. You and I should be saying, Lord, that is more than enough for me. Here we have him. Notice what it says. He's in Gerar now. It's, as we looked at it last week, it looks, Gerar is a, a place of a rolling countryside. So it's now, there's blessing coming. But the enemy is all around him. The devil's all around him. The Philistines are there. And in fact, in this chapter, when you read on, he goes in, uh, he, or pardon me, when you reverse back, his, his wife, Rebecca, um, the, the Philistine uh, uh, captain, or the Philistine king, rather, he, he has an eye for her. She's fair to look upon. And of course, this is a repeated preview, or a repeated thing from Abraham around Genesis chapter 20, if my memory serves me right. Abraham was in the same place. Abraham was among the same people. And Abraham done the same thing. Sarah ended up that he said she was his sister. His father does, uh, or his son does the same, Isaac. There's a lesson to be learned there, brother, sister. And the lesson is that your children may copy the things you do. Your children may copy the lifestyle you live. Your children are bound to make the same mistakes you made if not taught different. Abraham does it. Now Isaac does it in our chapter. And now Abimelech, you see, is a different Abimelech. He's called Abimelech with Abraham too. But Abimelech is believed to be more of a title than a name, like a pharaoh or a king and so on. But notice this. He's now in Gerar with all the enemy around about him. And the Lord has promised, he says, if you sojourn in this land, I will be with you and I will bless you. But notice what it says here. It says in verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and received the same year in hundredfold and the Lord blessed him. Now, you have to take into context what's being said here. Isaac wasn't hurt, man. He wasn't a farmer, really. He was an herd man. And see, he's got all of the wealth of Abraham. Abraham has died. He's all his, his father's wealth because he's the son of promise. He doesn't need to do anything. God didn't tell him to do anything. He said, stop here and sojourn. You can live the way you're living, he says. And just have what you have. And sure, that's enough, isn't it? That's called the I'm all right, Jack syndrome. It's called the, as long as me and my squad are okay, then everything's all right. But Isaac didn't do that. You see, Isaac had an obedient heart, but Isaac had an, a, a vision or there was a, an appearance of the Lord to Isaac. And so here he had his first family, he had his first encounter with Christ or with God. So he not only has an obedient heart now, he has an enlightened conscience. An enlightened conscience. So he sojourns, but now we're told he sows. God didn't tell him to sow, he told him to sojourn. 
Now, Isaac wasn't doing anything wrong by sowing. In fact, he was doing what was right. God was leading him by an enlightened conscience. See, when you're here, put your hand to the plow, he says. <laughs> Brother, sister, when you're where you are, just don't sit back and say, well, Lord, I'm enough. I've got enough of you. I've got enough of you. I don't need any more than what I know. But rather, he says, what does my spirit show you? How is my spirit leading you? What is my spirit teaching you? Brothers and sisters, it's so easy to say, I will sojourn. And I've got enough to do. He says, no, no, there's always more to be done. And what Isaac is actually doing through an obedient heart and an enlightened conscience, he's learning kingdom principles. He's learning kingdom principles. Now notice this. Isaac sowed in that land and received the same year an hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. It's noteworthy to mention of the parable of the sower in Matthew 13 and verse 23, spoken of by the Lord Jesus. Notice what it says, But he that received into good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit, bringeth forth some an hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Now you reverse back to the days of Isaac and God says, sojourn here. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to bless you. Isaac says, the Lord's going to be with me. The Lord's going to bless me. Then I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to do something with it. If the Lord's going to bless you, brother, and the Lord's going to bless you, sister, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to learn the kingdom principle of sowing into the kingdom and reaping for the kingdom? The Lord Jesus says that it was good ground. The Lord Jesus says that he, the man who sowed the seed into good ground, he, he hears the word and understands it. So we have to say, are we hearing the word? Now do we understand it? Sometimes the seed falls into the heart and we don't, we just don't want it. We don't like it. The Lord could be telling you something that you just don't want to do and you know it's him. Somewhere you don't want to go and you know it's him. Something to lay down and you know it's him. Something to give up and you know it's him. Someone go and see and you know it's him and you don't want it. You don't like it and you want to reject it and, and everything within you something to give away. He says, But he that heareth the word and understandeth it is he which beareth fruit brings forth a hundred, sixty, or thirty. I'm not going to try and give you example after example because the Holy Spirit has already done that. The Holy Spirit has already done that. He says, sojourn. He didn't say to sow, but Isaac sowed knowing God was going to bless it. 
God says to you, I will neither leave thee nor forsake thee, though I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, brothers and sisters, go and sow where you are. You might say there's plenty in store. You might say there's plenty of rolling hillside. We're in a good and pleasant land. But the Lord says, sow where you are into his kingdom. He says, I'm with you and I will bless you. I'll bless you. So he puts his hand to the sowing. Will you turn with me to Mark chapter 4? Something about sowing I want you to see this morning. Sometimes we give a little. Sometimes we sow a little, but we only wait a little and expect much with immediate results. I'm going to say it again for you. Maybe you're waiting. Maybe you're sowing. Maybe you've been sowing. Listen, sometimes we give a little. Sometimes we sow a little. But we also wait a little. And we expect much with immediate results. And when they don't come, immediately, we soon tire. We get discouraged. We can't be bothered. We give up. Why bother? Notice this principle with a couple of, a few points, what the Lord says about sowing. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. I'm going to stop, start through this, just to give you a couple of pointers. The kingdom of God, as if a, as, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Notice, as if a man should cast seed into the ground. Now you mark beside your, that in your Bible, the committal of faith. The committal of faith. Once that seed leaves the farmer's hand, once that seed leaves the sower's hand, it's a committal fully to God that what he is sowing, God's going to do something with it. Once it's cast, it's not taken back again. It's left in God's care. So committal of faith. Verse 27, the man should sleep and rise night and day. And the seed should spring up and grow, and he knoweth not how. Now notice, he should sleep and rise night and day. Here is the attitude of faith. The committal of faith. Now it's the attitude of faith. The attitude of faith is it's no longer yours. It's no longer in your hands. It's no longer in your control. It's out of your hands. It's out of your control. So your attitude of faith must change from once you release it and give it to God. Are you with me on that? Sometimes we say we release it and we run around like the birds of the air trying to pick the seed back up again to get it back into our own hands again. The committal of faith is, Lord, I'm fully throwing it into your hands. It's out of my hands and it's into yours. Well, guess what? Praise God for it's better that way. Because my hands and your hands just ruin it. It would never grow when it's in our hands. 
It never flourishes when it's in our hands. It never brings forth fruit when it's in our hands. So the committal is, this is useless to me. I give it to you. And the attitude of faith is, oh, what am I going to do now? It's out of my hands. It's out of my control. There's no, this thing that I'm going through, and I was leaving it with the Lord, but what am I going to do now? You ever been there? I'm there sometimes, all the time, many times. What am I going to do now? How's this going to be fixed? Oh, Lord, I, I told you I was leaving it with you, but I brought it back again just to keep a wee bit for myself. It's not fully committed to him when you do that. When you fully commit it to him, then there's the attitude of faith must follow. The attitude of faith is for you and I to go to bed at night, to rise up in the morning, and like the farmer would look and see, the field is still the same. The next day, the field is still the same. The next day, the field is still the same. The farmer doesn't go and look at the field and go, Oh, grow, 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 please grow, please grow. What am I going to do, Lord? I wonder if I move this wee seed and put it in the next field. Will it be all right? He leaves it and he says, It's up to you, Lord. It's up to you. It's in your hands. It's out of mine. I have committed to you. So the attitude of our faith must change. He riseth night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow, and he knoweth not how. Here is what we would call the mystery of the faith. The mystery of the faith. So here is this seed, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows. does that happen? I don't know. It happens because God said it would. There would be seed time and harvest, he said. And when you and I are leaving it in God's hands, when you and I have committed it, and our attitude of faith is then, it's up to you, Lord, we soon find the mystery of faith starts to to reveal itself unto us that even though we don't know how God does things, and even though we don't know why God does things, nevertheless, he just does these things. It's the mystery of faith. And then it says in verse 28, For the earth bringeth forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. You can write down there the degree of your faith. The degree of your faith. Notice, first the blade, then the ear. After that, the full corn in the ear. Blade, the ear, the full corn. Now, if you, I know, I know some of you that run about in these tractors and do all that stuff like Ireland and different ones, you know, when you know more about farming and all that sort of stuff than I do. I know nothing about farming. I just know it's a principle. It's a kingdom principle. But I'm sure if I sat down to talk with you, Earlham, and says, right, there's a, a blade coming up there. Well, we take it out now. You'd go, you must be joking. Well, there's an ear coming up the next time. We'll take it out now. You go, you must be. Are you right in the head? You say, well, there's the full corn. You say, now's the time, Ken. 
And sometimes in our faith, we like to try and run ahead because we've changed the attitude, okay? The mystery's happening. Something starts to happen, and we don't realize there's more coming from God. There's more coming. And we'll say, that's enough, and that'll do me. Oh, it's not a blessing. God says, it's a blessing. I want to give you abundance. I want to give you abundance. But your faith attitude has to remain the same. The mystery is going to be the same. You're not going to understand it. But nevertheless, the degree of your faith, he says, there's the, the blade, then the ear, then the full corn. He says, what bit, what bit of this do you want? Do you want the full corn in the ear where you can live on it and live by it? Or do you want the blade where when you pick it, you say, look at that for a great mystery, but it's no good to you. So we have to look at the degree of our faith. Verse 29 says, but when the fruit is brought forth, notice when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he putteth in the sickle because harvest has come. That's the reward of your faith. The reward of your faith. And at that right time, the sickle goes in or the big. So the combine harvester, combine harvester, and it just cuts right through it and gathers it all up and that's the reward from the committal to the attitude of it, leaving it with God, watching the mystery of it, waiting to go deeper with the degree of it. Now there is the reward of it. So we can see here simple kingdom principle. So we see that Isaac sowed. Do you know your heavenly father sowed as well? John 12 and 24, the Lord Jesus said, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He's speaking of himself going into the grave to rise again that you and I, we are the full corns in the ear. When Christ returns, the fullness of that will be when our bodies are changed to be like his. His body was broken. It was placed into the ground after he died in Calvary. But he'd bring forth much fruit. So into the kingdom. So effort. Employ your gifts, your talents. So not a little, but give your all. Give it time to grow. Commit it unto the Lord. Commit your family. Commit your job. Commit your finance. Commit your energy, your mind, your heart. Commit it unto God, to his promises, and in his kingdom. Commit yourself unto him in prayer, in devotion, in worship. Commit yourself once and for all and see what the Lord will do. Listen to Psalm 37 and verse 5. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now listen, the term commit thy way, the marginal verse means roll yourself upon the Lord. Just roll it all off you, onto him. Roll your struggles onto him. Roll your strife onto him. Roll your fears onto him. Roll your worry onto him. Roll the sickness onto him. Roll it all onto him. Roll your life onto him and say, Lord, 
I fully committing myself to you. Change the attitude of faith. Not that he might, but that he will. Not he can't, but he can. Not that he doesn't, but that he does. Listen to this. G. Roy means a ruling countryside. Committing yourself is to rule yourself unto the Lord. And G. Roy gives the idea of this ruling countryside. Yet it's full of the enemy. But God's still blessing Isaac. He blesses Isaac so much that even old King Abimelech comes to him. And notice what it says in verse 16. Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. See, once you commit fully the things unto God, the attitude of faith changes. Once you start seeing the mystery of that faith coming, it strengthens you. You'll see the degree of faith you'll walk in, and then after that you'll reap the reward of the faith. And see, when you see that, the enemy says, Oh, go away from me, you're much stronger than me. I, I don't want to live next to you anymore. You say, well, you used to attack me, never mind live next to me. See, it's understanding, brothers and sisters, who we are in Christ. And when we understand who we are in Christ and the authoritative power of his word and the Holy Ghost living in us, then we realize, hold on, God's with me. He's blessing me. The enemy's all around me. The devil may attack me, but the devil is defeated. He's defeated. Here's another thing to look at. And this is sad, but it's true. Once God blesses you, and it becomes visible to others, people are going to be jealous. Oh, they're going to, they're going to hate you. You're, you're going to be everything. Your name's going to be down in the hit list. See him, see her. Listen, see when God's blessing you, you can afford to be big. Pray for them. Give them the well-fertile ground and move on, because that's what Isaac does here. Say, you, you, you have it. Off you go. Live your life in bitterness. Uh, live your life in clamor. Live your life in those things, because as for me, I want to keep myself right before him, because he's blessing me too much to be angry with you. I notice. William de Berg was a, a writer from Dublin in 1860. He says, roll thy way upon the Lord as one who lays upon the shoulder of one stronger than himself a burden which he is not able to bear. Isaac said at one point, I, I'm going to Egypt. I can't bear this. And the Lord says, you stay where you are. I'm with you and I'm going to bless you. And so instead of saying, I've got my father's inheritance and I can take the easy living life, Isaac says, okay, Lord, then I'm going to sow. I ain't going to sow. So, listen to what one old poet said. Trust with a faith untiring in thine omniscient king. And thou shalt see admiring 
what he to light will bring. Of all thy griefs, the reason shall at the last appear. Why now denied a season will shine in letters clear. Isaac sowed in that land, Genesis 26 and verse 12. You know, famines should not stop us sowing. Fertile times should not stop us sowing. In fact, we should sow everywhere. The Lord places our feet. I want to just run through one or two things then I'm rounding this up for this morning. Notice the progress that Isaac learned from his famine. Remember his famine was to change his characteristics that he he loved the worldliness of Esau rather than Isaac, the things of God. Notice his progress. He sowed, he waited, he reaped, he waxed great and became greater. Till he became very great. Isaac proved God for himself. His walk was similar. Notice, his walk was similar to his father's, but different than his father's. You might say, well, I'm not as good. I'm not as great as him or her or whatever. Listen, it's for you to have your walk with him, not you to worry about their walk with him. Your walk may be different. Your walk should be different, but your walk should be personal. Isaac proved God for himself, and so should we. In Abraham, we see a life of faith. In Isaac, we see the life of sonship. I want to say that again. In Abraham, we see a life of faith, but in Isaac, we see a life of sonship. He is the son of special promise. He's the son of special birth. And he's the son of special preciousness. The only son of his mother and the only heir of his father. Notice that. He's the only son of his mother, but the only heir of his father. The son through whom the promises are to be realized and released and revealed, and the son for whom a bride must be chosen. Now notice, Isaac then, as a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. His mother was a virgin. Miraculous birth. He's the only heir of the father. Sonship life, kingdom life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the son of promise. And he's the son for whom his bride was chosen. We are that bride. 
and many millions more like us. In Isaac shall thy seed be called. Now there is a literal interpretation, but there's also a spiritual interpretation for Christ. It came from the seed line of Isaac. Notice this. I'm going to give you a few names and that's us finished. Verse 15 of Genesis 26 says this. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them and filled them with earth. Now he's sowing here. And the Philistines had came where Abraham had went by faith and stopped them all. Bunged all the wells up. They're all full of debris and stones and sand or gravel or rocks or whatever. And they're completely filled up now. Now you have to understand, a well isn't, you mean, well, it's only a well, but it's not only a well. You and I can turn on a tap and the water freely runs. But then they had to search for water. They had to dig it out. They had to wait upon it to fill up. They had to make sure they kept it maintained. And now the Philistines, the enemy had filled it up. And listen, brothers and sisters, there's many Christians whom the enemy has clogged up their well. Filled it full of the the dirt and the rubbish and the rubble and the the debris and the sand and the stones and the bricks of life and, and of unbelief. The Philistines clog it up. And the Philistines clog up the well of our fathers. The faith that was once delivered unto the saints. The, the Philistines come and they bring all, in all these new ways and new movements and new ideas that are not of God and they are filling up the church with things that are clogging the moving of the Holy Ghost. So Isaac and the servants dig the wells that were stopped. Notice what it says in verse 18. Isaac digged again the wells of water, which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham, and he called their names by the names which their father had called them. Isaac now is not removing the ancient landmarks. He is now going back to the faith of his father, that same God of his father. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. What's the difference? This is the first time Isaac's found his own well. Now it's good that we can say, well, we can look at past revival and we can look at past blessing and we can look at past events and see where God has moved. But listen, we need our own springing water. We need our own well. We need to dig until we find our own spring. It's not just a well coming up, but this was a springing well. And Isaac says, well, my father never got one of these. Jesus is that well springing up in us. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. It's not just a well. It's a springing well. It's a living well. Notice what he says, verse 20, And the herdman of Gerard did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water is ours, and he called the name of the well Esek, because they strove with him. Notice the word Esek means contention. Now notice, as soon as the Holy Ghost moves, as soon as the Holy Ghost blesses, 
you're going to have contention. The herd men of the Philistines and the herd men of Gerar and the herd men of the devil and the hordes of hell will come against you. But what are you going to do? Oh, then we've lost our well and there's nothing we can do. And that's what we do. We tend to clog it up and move on. Listen, they digged another well. You see, you don't give up, brother and sister. They digged another well and strove for that also. And he called the name of it Sitna, which means strife. I was recently talking to Alison about a few things. And there's a few things. That I, don't get, I mean, I'm okay. So don't get me wrong when I say this. And I said there, I said, Alison... She said, what's wrong with you? You're very quiet the last day or two. When I think I go quiet, and I don't realize I'm quiet. And she said, we're out walking the dog, and she says, are you all right? You've been quiet the last day or two. I said, I'm fine. What is wrong with you? I know you by now. I'm married to you nearly 20 years. She says, I'm thinking. She says, I knew knew that. He says, I'm tired. It's took a lot out of me. Things that's happened recently. I'm tired. And she says to me, Well, are you all right? I said, Absolutely. You can be tired in God's work, but never tired of it. And God has been, from we have come here, God has done nothing but bless. It's been so good. You have been a blessing. To me, Alison, you have been a blessing. But God's blessing us. He's blessing this assembly. He's blessing us as we gather. And I believe we haven't seen the full corn in the ear. It's okay to get tired, but never give up. Never. It meant strife. Verse 22, removed from fence and digged another well. And for that they strove not. He called the name of it Rehoboth. And he said, for now the Lord hath made room for us and we shall be fruitful in the land. Rehoboth means wide place. God says, now I built here. Here's the place where I'm going to show you the real blessing. Then he goes from there to Beersheba in verse 23. Beersheba is the place where the Lord showed Hagar the water or the well for Ishmael. And now Isaac finds himself in the place where the bondwoman was, there's now freedom. Reminds me of this building where they used to be in here night clubbing and drinking in the bars and filled with alcohol and booze and getting up to whatever they got up to in here. Now we're praising God. We've come in as the Isaac and Ishmael and Hagar has went out the door. Such a blessing. I think I'll do one more week maybe on this. Insights into Isaac. Let's keep sowing. 
Let's keep digging. Now, when I say digging, the two men at the back, I mean in the right sense. They used to be bouncers, you see. <laughs> and they would throw. They're my, two, they're my two guardians at the back. Digging in the kingdom. Searching for the living water. Until the Lord brings us to the place where there's blessing and abundance.